I'm Holly. I'm Leslie. And we, we would, would be dead. dead. Page rent content. Yes. first one our first first extra info podcast thing for our patrons and this week we're going to discuss Anissa Wire who is one of the perpetrators in the Slenderman stabbing which I believe was our fourth episode fourth or fifth it was the first one we recorded weirdly enough that's the first time Leslie and I ever did anything so it wasn't even scripted it was notes right (laughs) um but it was our fourth episode and people posted an article speaking about Anissa Wire's um possible future release And there were a lot of big opinions. So we brought a guest here to speak to you guys tonight. Andrew, introduce yourself. Hi, (laughs) I'm Andrew Jarima, and I'm a mental health clinician that works at the intersection of psychology, mental health, and criminal justice. Oh, man, you're perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You're exactly what we need. I will caveat that by saying I am not an expert by any means, but anyone that calls themselves an expert in anything should be gently pushed out of a window, I think. Politely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, you're perfect. (laughs) You're exactly what we need. I will caveat that by saying I am not an expert by any means, but anyone that calls themselves an expert in anything should be gently pushed out of a window, I think. Politely. (laughs) (laughs) Pagan, Kuhn. Hagen, K-U-H-A-G-E-N. Cool. You want to hazard a guess? Just the K. Just, Just the K. K. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he wrote this article. It was um, published on November 23rd, 2020. And I'm going to read it because he has done all of the journalism and I haven't. This is just an update. And then we're going to discuss the stuff therein and the reaction that some of you guys had to this. Because I think it would be pretty um, interesting to, to break that down, to unpack it a little. Okay. When Anissa Wire was found not criminally responsible for her role in the Waukesha Slenderman stabbing case, she agreed as part of her plea that she wouldn't request release from secure mental health facility until July of 2020. Remember, July. Nearly 40 months after a jury found her not guilty by mental disease or defect, Wire has petitioned the court for her conditional release. Quote, the defendant would not pose a significant risk of bodily harm to herself or others, or cause serious property damage if released under specific conditions, Wire wrote in a petition to the court a day before she turned 19 years old last week. Wire was 12 years old when she and Morgan Geiser nearly stabbed a Waukesha girl to death in a sensational crime that drew international attention after they told police they did it to appease a fictional online boogeyman named Slenderman. Wire was charged as an adult with attempted first-degree intentional homicide in June of 2014, but as part of her plea, the court later lowered that charge to attempted second-degree intentional homicide and took her insanity defense to a jury. Had a jury not accepted that defense, Wire could have received prison time. Wire has been committed to the Winnebago Mental Health Institute, not in a Winnebago, that's it's in the town of Winnebago, <laughs> Since she was sentenced in December of 2017, now Waukesha County Circuit Judge Michael Bolren 
who sentenced Wire to the maximum 25 years, will determine whether she should be released under community supervision. According to the Wisconsin Department of Health Services Conditional Release Program, the standard that a judge must determine is whether the person poses a danger. If the court, quote, finds clear and convincing evidence that the person would pose a significant risk of bodily harm, end quote, to themselves or, quote, serious property damage if conditionally released, end quote, a judge would deny the request. Over the years, Bowron has been firm in his stance that any decision he made wouldn't, quote, unduly depreciate the seriousness of the defense, of the offense. Something he often said when Wire and her attorneys were trying to get the case moved to the juvenile court system. He later said at her sentencing, quote, it was a planned murder by kids. We cannot forget the goal was to kill. Doctors will evaluate Wire. Bowen will get the recommendations from three doctors who will evaluate Wire in the coming weeks. A hearing which is expected to last an entire day is scheduled for March of two. March 10th. The reports are due to the court by January 29th. So I guess that's happened soon. I don't have any updates on it. And then it just goes on to, I'm going to skip a little bit down to talk about what her psychologist said about her. Melissa Westendorf, a licensed clinical psychologist who specialized in the psychological assessment of adults and adolescents based in Mequon, last interviewed Wire in 2016 after Wire entered into an insanity plea. Westendorf testified in court during the trial in 2017 that Wire suffered from a shared delusional disorder that left her unable to conform her conduct to the law as she and Geiser plotted for months to kill Peyton Leitner, an act they nearly accomplished the morning after celebrating Geiser's 12th birthday. Wire and Geiser left Leitner for dead in a wooded area of a Waukesha park after repeatedly stabbing her and set off to live in the Nicolette National Forest in northern Wisconsin, where they told police they believed Slender Man lived. Westendorf said the shared delusional disorder was extremely rare for two children who are friends, but experts said that during the hearings, due to Geiser's undiagnosed schizophrenia, that the delusions between the two became real to them, which Westendorf called, quote, the perfect storm of events for such a crime. And then it goes on to just state that Peyton Leitner, their victim, has formally stated that she does not feel fearful of their release. She said if they are released, she knows that they're going to leave her alone. And that's the victim. Okay, that was a lot. It gives all of the information we needed to have. So then I'm going to be kind of broad. Andrew, what do you? What are your opinions on her release? Were, were she to be up for release now, what would you think? What do you think is a good course of action for her? Do you believe her to be dangerous? or? I will preface this by mm-hmm. saying that although there are there's a national law that you have to have some sort of laws by state for civil commitment. Okay. And each state does that a little bit differently. So I'm very familiar with what New Jersey does working <laughs> and living in New Jersey. Wisconsin is is a whole different thing. I've never even been to Wisconsin. Me but neither. I did read I did read up on Wisconsin civil commitment laws as well. Oh, thank you. And although although the language is very similar between pretty much all the 50 states, what's on paper and what happens when, you know, in, in real life can be very different based on the way people interpret words and phrases that are in these laws. Okay. That being said, it, my personal opinion, you know, it, at a certain point in inpatient psychiatric care, there's not much more that we might be able to do for someone. It's, almost like keeping someone in an ICU or in in an inpatient of a hospital 
for, you know, they came in because they couldn't breathe well, and then they have chronic asthma, and then you're just keeping them in the hospital for an extended amount of time for their asthma, even though you've done all that you could for their asthma, and they can treat that at home with inhalers XYZ. So at a certain point in someone's psychiatric care, we have exhausted, and that's a word that they that that she uses herself in her letter, all the resources that we have in an inpatient setting. Our job in an inpatient setting is to stabilize someone's psychiatric condition. And once something is stabilized, if we can help them or can continue their treatment in an outpatient or somewhere in between, like an intensive outpatient or even mm-hmm. partial, partial hospitalization, if we can do it there, we try to do that because our ethical guidelines tell us to use the least restrictive care option possible. And she's a And she's still a child. She was a child when this happened. And and she still very much is a a child. Mm -hmm. Probably more so because she hasn't had the opportunity to be in the world and experience things and and kind of grow up. She's been in the same place. What did they say? 40 months? That's long. Sure. And I imagine, would you say that is enough time for like an effective course of treatment? A a lot of the hospitalizations that we see that we see are, are much shorter than that. Really? A, a typical civil commitment will last two weeks, three weeks. So would you say 25 years is kind of unheard of? <laughs> I, I have never <laughs> seen that happen. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 that could exist in New Jersey, but I don't know it to exist in New Jersey. Okay. Maybe this is something that is more common in other states that they, they sentence someone to a mental institution. And in fact, I know that that happens. It's just not too common. Where I worked in a in an emergency room, we were committing people for something like an acute mental health crisis, and we're not going to keep somebody for years for <laughs> for something like that. You're no. talking about taking somebody's civil liberties away, and that's a big deal. So you yeah. have to say that that someone is in immediate danger within the foresee- reasonably foreseeable future they're going to harm themselves or they're going to harm someone else or they cannot care for themselves and there's no resources in the community for them. Right. So it is a long time. Yeah, that, that, that it she... felt extreme to me to read that. 25 years, that's a prison yeah, sentence, not yeah. a hospital sentence. So that's what makes it feel like a prison sentence. And this doesn't take away from what happened. You know, this is a very serious thing that happened to attempt murder on someone is, is a very big deal. But... The jury found her to be not guilty by reason of her mental illness. Yes. And if they're finding her not guilty, then this should not, I would think, in my opinion, should not feel like a prison sentence. It should feel like and and look like something different. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of people get kind of murder blind when they see this. And all they can see is that like a violent crime has been committed and it was. I mean, if you guys go back and listen to our coverage on Slenderman, you can hear all about everything that happened and um, the planning. And it was, it's scary and it's awful. But also, they were 12. Yeah. How much, in your professional opinion, can a 12-year-old grasp the gravity of that action? That's a difficult and tricky question to answer. Of course, for anybody. Mm -hmm. And then you throw in... The complication of a of these shared delusions yes. of mental illness that that complicates it even more. But someone of that age definitely 
I I can just, just in personal and anecdotally, Mm -hmm. I can think back to myself at 12 years old. And I'm sure anyone else listening could think of themselves at 12 years old. And I believed in magic and I believed in, I think I still believe in Santa Claus at that point. I don't know if any of your viewers don't believe in Santa Claus, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) but, uh, like, uh, there's all these things, these fantastical beliefs that we have around that Mm -hmm. time that we really don't know the real world, you know, until, until much later. Right. Uh, So it's, it's hard to believe that they fully were aware of the consequences of the actions that they were taking that day, despite it being a thought out and planned attack on their friend. Yeah. Yeah. And that to me seems like what the judge is fixating on the fact that they planned it because in legal jargon, like I believe first degree murder means you, you planned it. There was intent and you didn't just have like a crime of passion moment and they did plan it, but I don't, I think there is a difference between knowing what you're doing and mm-hmm. thinking Slenderman's going to take you into a castle. Well, that's what I was thinking too. Like there's, to me, there feels like a difference of a 12 year old kid being like, I want to know what it's like to kill somebody. I just want to know what blood looks like coming out of somebody. <laughs> I want to know what that, how they're going to feel, what they're going to do. Like, and that's that, a dark 12 year old. That would be like a, a <laughs> yeah. Verse it being like slender, like a fantastical, like this fantasy world that they're in of like, Oh, in order for us to be safe and to be taken care of, this is what we need to do. And this is the closest person we have to us to do it to. Yeah. And so in my head, it just seems very different. Like one's a very dark, like inner thing. And the other one is just like they're in a play world. What you say is important because one of them, uh, the one that you described, this this uh, child with a fascination of death or fascination with seeing blood or killing that lends itself to a chronic disposition of violence or murder or or criminal behavior in general. Yeah. This seems more of a closed book. They had no red flags. They have no previous offenses. The girls were never violent before or afterwards. They just fell into this obsession with creepypastas, online scary stories, and they just believed them. Now, does like previous behavior, is that something that should be taken into consideration? Well, the greatest <laughs> the greatest predictor of behavior is previous behavior. Ah, so, well, there you have it. <laughs> so so when, when we're looking at hospitalizing someone, civil commitment, uh, say somebody is, is coming in and, and their friend is saying that this person is suicidal, they've been making statements, they've been talking about it a lot. One of the things we'll look for is past suicide attempts, because one of the greatest predictors of a a future attempt is a previous attempt. So in this case, yes, you could probably say that. Of course, there's still risk factors. There's there's always going to be that there. So their their previous behavior could say that they're at a higher risk than the typical uh, 19-year-old of committing another offense in the future. That, That might not be a very high risk. It might be a, a very small comparison, but sure, yes, the past behavior does lend itself towards future behavior. Also, in just stuff I've read, and I've read a lot of stuff for this podcast, <laughs> it seems that <laughs> at 12, when you're like legitimately a child, that's not even really teen, that's a kid, the permanence of death like doesn't exist to them, really. Yeah. I mean, right around that age, 
you are only just starting to be able to think in abstractions okay. or to think about concepts uh, like death, like impermanence, like finality, like uh, like uh, all of these these big existential questions you may not be able to grasp because your brain literally is not able to at that age. It's, it's right around that age that you mm -hmm. may start to, to develop those sorts of things. Um, some people, some kids do it earlier and some kids do it a little bit later, but that's a stage of development is, is to be able to think in that kind of abstraction that, that the finality of death, you really could grasp that. So that probably should be something that was considered in this case. Like they could have thought Peyton was, I mean, they, they did think they killed her, but they could have thought like, well, she's going to get up later. It's just a thing we did. This is just like, what we just did this for Slenderman, but tomorrow she'll be okay. Right. I, I, who knows what, where their thoughts were exactly right. as individuals. I mean, they both ha may have yeah. had very different ideas about this. And with Anissa, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, their belief was that the other child, I forget her name, was the Mor one that, that Morgan Morgan, Morgan yeah. had uh, like a psychotic disorder or schizophrenia. She had schizophrenia. And then the shared delusion or shared psychosis was with Anissa. Right. So she was latching on to someone whose thought patterns were already altered. Mm -hmm. And maybe just, you know, based on the, her personality, she was more likely to fall into that. Mm -hmm. But when you take someone in shared psychosis, which is a rare thing, and I have not seen it personally, you know, in talking with other psychiatrists and people that I work with, it's not something that comes up very often. Um, there's actually a fancy French word for it. Called I say it. Foliadu. <laughs> I didn't get it wrong. Oh, yes. I'm so happy. <laughs> um, so that's when when it's between two people. There's also foliatois and Ooh. like and like between three people, and then like mass hysteria when you have like more people that are involved oh. in, in this group think. But when you take someone from the source of that delusion or the source of that psychosis or where those beliefs are coming from, that person tends to come back to closer to reality if they're no longer being exposed to those ideas over and over and over again and wrapped up in that mm -hmm. world. So just by virtue of removing Anissa from Morgan, if Anissa does not have any other underlying mental illness or, or I don't know what the psychologists or, or psychiatrists as, are thinking. As far as I've read, she did not have any underlying mental illness. Okay. It was just so, this shared delusion. So, so as long as they are separate from each other, there really isn't, I don't want to say this with too much certainty, but I would think that by having them separated, that Anissa's not going to then go on and develop symptoms of schizophrenia again if she doesn't truly have psychotic disorder. Uh, she mm -hmm. had that shared delusion and psychosis with Morgan, but mm -hmm. once they're separated, there's, I don't believe that that will come back for her. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. I don't know what research would officially say about that, but that could be something that I'd look into because it's an interesting question. Well, it's like when you remove somebody from a cult, then they can finally yeah. see what they right. were in. Right. It, it <laughs> takes a while. It, it can take a long yeah. time to get someone to 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 get back to that, like deprogramming or whatever. Right. Right. To... Right. Right. It can take like, a while, but the veil. once. <laughs> yes. Once they yeah. can lift the veil, <laughs> the veil's not going back. Yeah. <laughs> then, I mean, one could say that she probably 
isn't a danger because there's been a 40-month commitment where she – and it's conditional that she not see Morgan any longer. They are not Mm -hmm. to have contact with one another because, again, that could be dangerous. And I reference – I think I referenced this in our original coverage. I cannot remember. It was a year ago. But it reminds me of um, Juliet Hume and Pauline Parker who were also two young girls who killed um, one of their mothers. It wasn't a friend. They killed their mother because Mm. they also lived in this fictional world together and they believed that – in their fantasy world, their mother was going to keep them apart, and so they killed her. And once separated, everything changed. And they only received a five-year prison sentence, and they were children, but then they were released into the world. Mm-hmm. And that's like a different—this is you know, a different country and a different time. But still, it's just to me, it seems interesting that it was dealt with so cut and dry there, and it's so nebulous— yeah, I don't know why. I don't know if that's just a Wisconsin thing or if that mm-hmm. is the case being so high profile or the judge specifically. I wanted to say that in in a psychiatric facility, like the ones I was talking about where somebody's staying for like two, three weeks at most, they are having court once a week, usually. Oh, okay. So they're reviewing everyone's case to see whether or not if they continue to can we continue to force this person against their will in treatment? Hmm. And they will analyze all of the factors that originally put them in the hospital in the first place, uh, whether or not they're an immediate danger to themselves or others, basically. And if that is no longer the case, and there's not a strong reason to, to believe that they can continue to make improvements in a hospital setting, they're going to be released. So they're reviewing that in court weekly in New Jersey, at least. I'm pretty sure that's that's typical that they're reviewing Mm -hmm. this on a very regular basis. Now with her sentence being 25 years, I don't know if there was any other point that they were even just going to consider to think about it, or if they're just like, oh, 25 years, we're not even going to look at her case. Well, they said that she could start petitioning for release in July of 2020. So I'm assuming there was some of that. Exactly. So there was probably some plan with mm-hmm. her lawyers and with her doctors. And I think I did see something in a more recent uh, article that the doctors, three doctors did agree that she would be able to be released. Yes, I read that too. Yeah, so so in the review of her case, they're, they're looking to see if she is still an immediate danger to others or to herself mm-hmm. uh, within a reasonably foreseeable future, which is the language that New Jersey uses. It's different it's, in it's- Wisconsin, but- It's similar enough that... mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're also not considering what she's going out to if if she were to be released. It's not like we're we're going to just put her out into the community and be like, good luck. We're not even going to pay attention anymore. (laughs) Yeah, this is what I wanted to know. Like, what what would it look like for her to go when she does leave if she is released? So there are probably different options that they're considering. Uh, treatment is involved in all of them uh, in New Jersey and in Wisconsin. They have something rather similar. Um, we have uh, involuntary outpatient commitment or or some sort of. Uh, let me even look up what's Wisconsin's. And by the way, the if you want to look up every state's uh, commitment laws, you can if you're an interested <laughs> reader. Uh, I went to treatment treatmentadvocacycenter.org, uh, which has every state's laws and talks about how many beds they have for psychiatric inpatient, uh, the criminalization of mental illness in each state, um, like in the facts and statistics about all of that. Uh, Good to know. uh, Let me see what Wisconsin called it. 
oh, assisted outpatient treatment or AOT, which essentially means that you can have court ordered treatment in the community. So she would be moving from like a, she's being forced in a hospital setting and she has to stay in the hospital. This would be a step down from that is you're forced to go to treatment in the community, whether that means going to groups five days a week in a hospital setting all day and then coming home just to sleep at night. Or Or that could mean three days a week, like in an intensive outpatient level of care. That could also mean just at an outpatient level of care, I'm going to see my therapist once a week. I'm going to see them once every other week. It all could be depending on the conditions of that agreement. But there is a means and and a uh, a way of going about mandating someone into outpatient treatment. So sh- for for her case, it's very likely that they would be looking at con- uh, like conditionally releasing her, meaning if she does not continue to go to treatment. And she fails to make appointments or she stops taking medications if she has prescribed them or what other, whatever other agreements they have as stipulations of this agreement, then she would be taken back to the hospital and, and could potentially be committed again um, and for however whatever length of time. And then maybe they try again an outpatient. And, and this is designed to help keep people out of the hospital. Um, instead of taking their civil liberties away and their freedom of movement and freedom of communication away and really dehumanizing someone in a hospital setting, this is an attempt to keep people out of the hospital but continue getting treatment. And that's so, good. Yeah, yes, very good. That's a very good thing. <laughs> that's the we goal, that. right? Get we them back that. into their life eventually. As Anissa says, she wants to be a productive member of society and to do that she wants to be in society and i can i can feel that for her and i can empathize with that if she feels like she's she's stuck and feels like she can't give back in any way or maybe make up for the things that she did then that makes me cry i know that's (laughs) brutal you know what really got to me and, and we were talking about this before we started recording that one sentence that really stuck out to me is that I hate the actions that I took, but through therapy and through treatment, treatment, I've learned not to hate myself anymore. Oh, she's done so much work. I know. So that that takes a lot, and that seems genuine to me on paper. Yeah. We we all don't know where her headspace is, and of course, and and it's also very complicated because there is a victim involved and we can feel very strongly about that, but it's very easy for us to neatly take someone else's problems and put them in a hospital or put them in a prison and not have to worry about them anymore. But this is a person that we're talking about, a child that we're talking Mm -hmm. about. And that's what I have to keep remembering is that we can't always take our problems and put them somewhere else forever. We have to deal with the more uh, the the parts of society and and the bits that make up other people that cause more friction, and we can still learn from these people, uh, people with mental illness, and we can still learn from individuals that have done terrible things, and they can still do good things in the world. I don't want this to be a death sentence for her. Yeah, mm-hmm. well said. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I try. <laughs> That's why we have you on here to say it. Now, um, 
Just to change gears slightly, but for Morgan, since she has... We haven't even touched on her I know that they Mm -hmm. haven't touched on her, but just wondering, like, what would... What is the main difference between her and Anissa then at, like, at this point, at 19? Like, what do you think someone in her shoes is going through right now? And mind you, she's the one with the diagnosis. Right. Mm -hmm. If she has been diagnosed with schizophrenia, that tends to be a a chronic and persistent mental illness, especially if diagnosed earlier on in life. If that's genuinely what is going on for her and that's going to be her experience, it it may be a chronic issue that that she has to deal with. However, there are plenty of people with schizophrenia that, go on to lead very productive lives and are not impaired by the illness, whether that be through medication or through therapy and and learning how to navigate that. Her own father has it. Her own father lives with schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's plenty of people. I can name numerous, numerous, numerous examples of of people that live with this illness. And it is very difficult to deal with and, and, and across the, it runs the gambit from, of severity. So it can be very mild for certain people or very debilitating and severe for others. We don't know her case exactly. It, it can change over time. This illness does tend to change over time. It goes into different stages, specifically towards the latter uh, part of someone's life. It can go into residual schizophrenia, which tends to be more of the negative symptoms, which is like more shutting down and not able to really have a, a, a range of affect or emotions and just being more internal rather than the maybe hearing voices or having visual hallucinations, things like that. Um, did Morgan, ha- Morgan had a different sentence, didn't, didn't she? Like yeah, they wanted years 40 years for her. Which you don't even hear about 40 years for criminal actions sometimes. Yeah, it's a weird like one. Like you hear 30 years for like typical or life, you know, you hear life, which is like a 30 year sentence. We covered another case that had like an odd amount of years like that. And the reasoning behind it seemed to be that they felt there was reason not to give this person life. And it reflected in this odd number of years they ended mm-hmm. up giving them. So I mm-hmm. wonder if that's kind of the case here. Yeah. And did I answer your question at all? Do I, did I go off on a tangent? Oh, no, you did. You did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's going to be tough for her, but I, I think that she should be able to be afforded the same opportunity mm-hmm. eventually as, as Anissa or Anissa, because eventually if she has been compliant with medications, if that's the treatment that's set up for her, she's also going to quote unquote exhaust her, her resources right. in an inpatient setting. I think that's what it's it's like I struggle with thinking about about her release because I truly do feel that it was her schizophrenia that caused this to happen. So if she yeah. and only being 12, if she is actually getting help and is medicated for it and mm-hmm. like she could be at the same point that Anissa is now. Now obviously we're not hearing about her yet, so I don't know when she's even allowed to no. kind of put in an appeal or, or see what's There is like on, one but. mention in Anissa's article that says Morgan has tried to petition, but there is no major development. Mm-hmm. And as of when we covered this case, the stuff that we read about it, she, she still needed the treatment mm-hmm. that she was getting. And 
She was diagnosed at 12. That's super, super early. Doesn't it usually come on at like 1920? Isn't that? A little bit earlier for for girls or or someone that, uh, you know, has female hormones flying around um, typically shows up earlier for them. And and Leslie, I wanted to mention, like, it's not only you that has that opinion, but remember the outcome of the court also has that opinion that this is due to mental illness. That's true. Yeah. It just feels it's so sad. This whole thing is so sad. sad And it's very complicated. And even the victim... Uh, what was her name again? Peyton Leitner. Peyton Leitner. So even Peyton felt, I mean, at 16, she said in that interview, right? Mm-hmm. When she was 16, she just said that she doesn't. She doesn't hate them. Hate them because she knows that they were sick. So even for her to kind of grasp that. If she came to that, I feel like other people need to follow suit because mm-hmm. the crime was against her. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's such a disconnect that people fail to, like you said, see these little girls as little girls. They just see them as like someone who stabbed their friend. Yeah. And I'm always so worried for people to be stuck. I don't want Anissa or Morgan. And Morgan might be in a different place now where maybe she actually just feels comfortable where she is. You know, she. I know that's, that's a case for a lot of them too, where that's mm-hmm. an environment that they can almost thrive in mm-hmm. for a little while longer. But for Anissa, who's not, uh, she doesn't, actually have the mental illness she i'm afraid for her to be in there too long and then create a mental illness <laughs> or you know have issues afterwards i don't know if to, that's to a become thing. to become institutionalized yes yeah oh that's, that's a good word yeah oh do you think that being as the onset of her illness was so young it is different or more severe i know like childhood schizophrenia is like treated a little differently does, is that going to come into play at all in her, like, the course of action for her treatment and possible possibilities for, like, living in the world again? Yeah, I mean, with someone that develops these symptoms earlier, it, it does tend to be more severe and pervasive because you think of the developing brain. And if someone has this uh, reality, their constructed reality within their brain is is built around uh, built around these delusions or ideas that aren't real then and it's developing at the same time her brain is developing at the same time then it's it becomes very de- uh, de- delicate and difficult to get out of it yeah. um, so it's it's hard to say um, and I don't know you know we we don't really have a, a way of knowing how her treatment is going or how different she might be yeah. mm-hmm. with that. I don't have a lot of check-ins with her. I, yeah. I only have the Anissa stuff, so. Yeah. But I guess it will be interesting to see that develop, and maybe we will revisit it when we see how they are treating Morgan. Sure. It's important to have a conversation about it, and I think we all are entitled to have our opinions about it. For sure. And we can all feel sad and feel angry and feel upset in in many different ways for the victim in this and and for the just the way that this all worked out um and the way that it works out maybe for our our own personal experience we have our own connections to something happening to ourselves so we all have our worldview but Mm -hmm. i think it is too important to keep talking about it and to have conversations like we saw on on your page about this yeah but 
I, I think it's just important to to remember the human human aspect of it and to remember that these are individuals, all of yeah. them, and with potentials. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Period. <laughs> and as far as I've read, because I know that there is call from the com- – not just our community, from the community at large – to have them then incarcerated after they leave hospital care. I don't know that that was ever on the table, just to put that out in the world. Judging by the language they used in this article and what I've read everywhere else, there is no option of put them in jail. I don't think that's possible. Well, they were found not guilty. Right. So incarceration after that, does that happen? Like, <laughs> I think of just court in in general um, once somebody is found guilty or not guilty unless there is some big new information that's going to change the way that we look at the case that is signed sealed delivered like right. that's 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 done deal um and there's not much that we can do about it once you you know if you're guilty you can go through appeals of course and all that but once something has been decided in the court, unless there's really big in- new information, and I don't see that happening in this case, you know, there, there, there's no way of retrying this and having them now be found guilty and sent to prison instead. That's what I thought. I yeah. just want, I know that there was some, like I said, just out in the world where people are talking about it. That was things mm-hmm. that were coming out of people's mouths. And I thought, I don't even think that's an option. I don't know where this this thought process is coming from, but I, I don't think that's something that people can be asking for legally. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I maybe maybe they they could have just forgotten that she yeah. was found not guilty or yeah. they were found not guilty. Right. They were both, both of, found not guilty. Yeah. 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 I mean, the legal system is a very complicated thing and it sucks that we all as uh, civilians in in this country can't really understand it or it's not an easy thing to grasp. <laughs> like you think that would be, that would be important for all of us to be on, mm-hmm. <laughs> on, on, on the same page with how it all yeah. works <laughs> um, because then maybe we could uh, defend ourselves or, or have some standing and not just be thrown from person to person and get caught signing something and not realizing that you're putting yourself in prison or, or agreeing to, Uh, parole supervision for life or or whatever, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Now, has it, so my question now is, can you get, can you be found guilty, but then put into like a psychiatric facility first and then care, then brought to prison if you're found healed? Isn't that conditional though? They have to, (laughs) if you're found healed, (laughs) you're healed. Go to prison. I need to be found healed. Um, my reaction to what you're saying initially is that there may be instances where someone has a severe mental illness and right now it wouldn't be a good idea to put them in a prison population just because of their mental illness at that moment, but maybe their mental illness was not as severe or they, they still found them guilty for some reason they could go get treatment. And then once they are treated, uh, to a point where we feel like, yes, they could handle being in the prison population now, then they might transfer well, them over to prison. We've seen that happen before in cases we've covered. Well, they get treatment until they've stabilized them in like a hospital setting, and then they send mm-hmm. them to prison once that's mm-hmm. been. Oh, but I think that's something that's laid out in the court before they oh, yeah. start 
go sure. on their journey. Sure. And and there is specific hospitals um, sometimes attached to prisons for those reasons. In New Jersey, there's only one of them. It's called Ann Klein Forensic Center. It's up in Trenton. It's mm. right next to Ancora, basically. It's like a makeup facility. <laughs> or no, right next to Trenton Psychiatric Hospital, I should say. Gotcha. I said Ancora, yeah. wrong. Um, so it's <laughs> specifically there for someone that has a criminal uh, offense um, that is like violent usually mm-hmm. and also needs treatment. We have friends that used to live across the street. <laughs> yes, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they no longer live there, but they, I mean, I was at their house. They lived across the street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a really nice area. It's beautiful. Oh, wow. Yeah, their house was gorgeous. It's just funny to me where you're like, the most violent criminals who have <laughs> mental illnesses are there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I've been right there. <laughs> um, and I guess we're going to sew this up in a second, but this has been wonderful and very informative. I think my last sort of question discussion point is that considering we are talking about Anissa, could it be because she is the one that carried out the actions? Morgan did not do any of the actual violence. She Mm -hmm. called for it. She stood there while it happened. She instructed it to happen and she created this condition upon which it would happen. But Anissa did all of the actual violence. That's right. I forgot that it was just her. Yes. So now we're also in a situation where are we looking at one more as a criminal and the other as someone who is dealing with an illness Sure. by virtue of the action? And do you think that that, does that color that for you at all? Does that make the situation different? Definitely. It makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense that, you know, the person carrying out the actions is the one that we feel more strongly about. Mm -hmm. And we, we may see Morgan as someone that is struggling with a mental illness and can, and can put that in that category. Mm -hmm. And with Anissa, we're just, there's so much ambiguity there that it's more difficult for us to process that because she, she carried out the action and she's, stabbed her how how many times a lot of times i can't remember off the top of my head and and to it's It's in the teens it's (laughs) so impossible for us to fathom being in a headspace where we wouldn't be able to decide that what i'm doing is wrong especially after the very first time when you stab someone and they react and they have this pain Mm -hmm. and not for that to snap her out of it right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she kept going yeah, so there, there's a lot to be said for her to continue this for however long it took, because one minute is isn't too much. Ten seconds is too much. Yeah, it was but for sure an extended that. event because I know they they do break it down and like chronicle the whole thing. And the girls' confessions are widely available if anybody mm-hmm. wants to see them speak. They're in the de- documentary that I, th- I think it was HBO. We we credit it in our um in our coverage of it, and it's very good and it's very thorough. And you can mm-hmm. see the girls. Um, being interrogated by police officers, and they do not withhold information. They are they talk. They tell you exactly what happened. And it was, you know, they went into the bathroom. They talked about it. Morgan was like, you have to do it now. Do it, do it, do it. And then they went out. One egg, the other one on, and she just, mm-hmm. I think it's like 18 or something. It's a lot of stabbing. It's a lot. And to think that, that you went through all of that without thinking twice about maybe stopping or mm-hmm. having an, an, an empathic reaction to your friend pain your friend's pain yeah so yes it's super tricky super tricky and i don't pretend to have the answers and i don't think anyone 
really can know for sure what the right answer is here. But my in my heart of hearts, and I think many people would share this, is that you see a child with with the potential of, of the rest of their life and you want them to have the opportunity to, to be able to do exactly as she says and, and to be a participating member and a and contributing member to society in some way, in some small way. Yeah, agreed. I agree as well. <laughs> <laughs> do you have anything more to add, Leslie? I always ask her this. <laughs> um, no, that's all for today. <laughs> Andrew, do you have anything else you wanted to say on the matter? You have an open floor. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone has any other questions or wants to keep talking about this, feel free to do it in an open forum on on the We Would Be Dead page if you want to do it there. Or you can personally message me or find me and, or shoot me a message. Or somehow we can we can always talk about this. More talk is 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 more good. Agreed. Um, we'll try and put, um, I mean, this is available to our patrons, but we will open a dialogue with you and ah, just provide, but we'll provide like a little bit like, hey, if you're a patron, you can see the whole thing. But um, we'll tell people that you are, we'll tag you in something and like kind of open a discussion. And if people have questions or they want to talk about it, we can make that um, available to them if you're you're okay with that. So that's great. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Our Facebook group would be the place where you guys can find that chat i might be able to put it up on our patreon so we'll talk to yeah we can do i think we'll talk we to because i can do a a uh, open post on patreon so you'd be able to connect with it but then anybody that's not a patron wouldn't have been able to listen to this so they might be more eager to be yeah. like oh what are they talking about <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll make dialogue they can available. See the aftermath. Too. Yes, <laughs> there you go. I mean, I think this is an impor yeah. important discussion, and I'm really glad we had it. And I'm really grateful that you took your time out of your day to talk to us. Yes, thank you, thank you. I very much appreciate the opportunity. I, I it's I feel starstruck talking with you guys, and I kind of like <laughs> left my body because <laughs> I've been dissociating throughout this whole thing, and I'm just and I, I'm not thinking that this is live. I'm thinking that this is like a pre-recorded thing that I'm watching. Yet I'm talking live. <laughs> the it's a bizarre experience. Andrew, you know me in real life. It's fine. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well then we're gonna stop our recording now. So we'll say, um, patrons, I hope you enjoyed this, and uh, we'll see you next month for another informative mini-sode. Everyone, say bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at WouldBeDeadPod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more.